We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Close the damn door, man. You're letting all the Wi-Fi out. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Hold On, I'm Almost There, a show about life's little annoyances, personal growth, dad life, and so much more with your hosts, Uncle Frank, Kid Gristle, and of course, Tom Moongia. So have a seat, do them chores, or twist a wrench while we dive down the rabbit hole. Today's word of the day is fermius. The origins of fermius. The adjective fermius is one of Lewis Carroll's whimsical creations appearing in his nonsense poem Jabberwocky. In Through the Looking Glass, Carol, in a preface, he wrote to a later poem, The Hunting of the Snark, where Fermius is also used, etymologized Fermius as a blend of fuming and furious. So my question to, to both of you is recently, have either of you been Fermius? I don't know, man. That sounds like it itches somewhere. So I'm going to say no. <laughs> yeah, I can't recall. Not lately. Not lately. Meditation was, has been helping me. I was, <laughs> that's good. That's a good yeah, way to, yeah, to oppose the fermiosity. <laughs> exactly. I was, I was, I was fermious today as I was <clears throat> getting on I-45 on the feeder road. I was on the incoming lane traffic and uh, this gentleman decided he was going to he wanted the spot in front of me between me and the car in front of me which was not wide enough for him and there was plenty of space behind me but he decided he wanted that so he threw on his blinker zoomed past me and and drove in almost wrecking into my pickup um and i was frumious mm, i can see that yeah yeah, definitely. Man. But I got I got him back because we by the time we got on the highway by then I was uh, on a little bit of a vendetta, and so I blocked him in between several cars and a uh, semi, so that he had to drive about uh, 35, 40 miles an hour for a couple of miles because I had blocked him in there. You know, I, I think I know something that would help you out with that. It's this little show called Hold On, I'm Almost There. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. about uh, life's little annoyances, man. Yeah. Right. And right. Uh, personal growth. You yeah. could certainly use a little bit of both to yeah. keep you away from the frumiosity. As, uh, I, I agree. As, I, haven't, uh, I, haven't, I haven't been that <laughs> way in a while. I've been able to have some zen while on the road. It's been, uh, at least a month, month and a half since I really got my panties <clears throat> in a bunch about somebody on the road but that guy just really ticked me off uh, especially because had i not slammed on my brakes i would have absolutely demolished this guy Dang. he was not he was not taking his own personal safety into accord <laughs> all right well today instead of having a sponsor of the day uh Earlier while scrolling through Instagram, like we all do, I came across a story shared by a fellow uh, HFD firefighter paramedic. Everyone's always asking me who's not in the fire department, what's it like dealing with these calls that are so stressful and basically horrific? He shared his story today that epitomizes those feelings perfectly, and I wanted to share it with everybody out there to give them a clue as to what we go through and what we deal with. And, th and this is what he posted. This is his words. The worst day at work, but finding where God really lives. On this day, 10 years ago, February 24th, 2011, my crew and I at HFD District 83 responded to a regular house fire. Only this one was converted into a daycare. Seven kids were trapped in the home when the call was dispatched. I was on squad 83. We jumped on the call when we heard what was happening. It was a nightmare, just as it sounded on the radio. Four children died that day. The, the scene was surreal. Something like being dropped in the middle of a Rob Zombie movie. You couldn't make up a story so bad. The depth of what was happening right in front of me didn't register as fast as I was needing to act to do my job. I could barely see because the tears just kept flowing. I couldn't stop them. I couldn't undo what was already done. 
Behind these eyes, I've been able to put on shelves in the back of my mind a lot of images, senses, the smells. And over the years, the edges of these kinds of calls have blurred together. A few of them still stand out. This is one of the few calls that I can remember every second of. I still feel a sense of pride that the one child that I was treating had a good result, and the parents have stayed in touch with me through the years. Wished I could have done more. I wish we could have been called 10 minutes earlier. My faith, unwavering love, and being blessed to be the cog in God's ultimate plan has been an honor. With a lifetime full of mistakes and stumbling upon often, you question if you do anything right. Thank God this one day I did. This is Michaela, my patient that day. She's getting big now. It's great to save lives, man. Nothing is better. Seeing this young lady and her family smile again has saved mine. And he shared a picture of her then, after he made the call, she was small. And he also shares a picture of her now, a current picture. And uh, she's a beautiful girl. His name's Michael Prigmore. I don't know him personally. We have uh, contacted each other in messages throughout the past, but... um, Everything I know and that I've heard about him, he's a great guy. He's a workout guy, you know. So you don't know him, but you feel like you do know him because you you know what it takes to stay in shape. You know what he's going through because, I, you know, we all go through the same thing. And the story was just so incredible, this being the anniversary, that I said, man, I wanted to get in contact with him. Hey, can we share your story? And he said, of course. So this is for Mike. Hey, we're proud of you, guy. You represent us all well, and thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. That was an amazing story. Yeah, that's crazy. Man, that's good stuff. That's heavy. Yeah, yeah. But it's great. I mean, he's a great story. And we're going to share the pictures of the girl because I want everybody to see, you know, that this is a life that was saved. You know, this beautiful young woman now, and she's alive, her family's one, and they kept in touch. A lot of times that doesn't happen. And they let him know, hey, thank you. And, and, and even though they're thinking him, in a way, it's thinking all of us that are out there trying to do something good you know for sure yeah yeah that's meaningful yeah. you know and the the great thing about that that story as inspirational as it is the topic of today's show is actually hurdles right um we all face them we all do our best to get over them get under them or get around them they're out there and this was just one of his hurdles that he has to live with. Right. You know, he's right. he's constantly dealing with it. He it, it, he said, you know, man, he painted such a great picture because he talks about having to shelve it in the right. back of his mind because I'm sure that would eat at him. Yeah, that's what you have to do. Yes. And and being able to compartmentalize like that is is uh, a gift in itself. Right. Yeah, and what a lot of people don't understand, and it's hard to understand if you're not in the situation, you hear something like this, you, you hear about doing this one day, and you think, oh, man, that sounds like a hell of a week. That's terrible. That's a terrible. After he left the hospital, he had to go make another call, perhaps another call just like that, or even worse. This is what you do nonstop for 24 hours. And that type of life, it wears on you, and you do. That's how you cope with it, like you just said, compartmentalize it. Yep. Yep. Man. Wild. So with hurdles, um, you know, we were kicking around the idea of, you know, what, who are you? Are you a hammer? Are you a helper? Or are you a, what was that third one that we had? A hammer, helper. Let me look it up now. Hammer, (laughs) helping. You you don't even know your own thing. I don't, man. (laughs) Crazy. Let's see. Let me see here. It's been it's been such a long week. It's it's everything just blends together most of the time. Yeah, dead dead air is dead air is good now. It is. Yeah, it yeah. Is. Hammer it always is. <laughs> Let me see. Oh, um, hurdle helper. Hurdle helper. Right. Yeah. Her, uh, are you a hurdle? Are you a helper? Or are you, are a, you a hammer? hammer? Correct. Yeah. Now, yeah. now I, I think it's appropriate that you d- uh, define those in the similar terms that you define them to us uh, in the text message earlier in the week so that everyone has a full understanding of kind of the, the playing field. Right. So and and I was sitting in the in the doctor's office waiting to be seen and <clears throat> there was a, a guy that was dressed in 
you know, full-on head-to-toe gear from a local high school. And I looked over to him and I was like, oh, hey, you know, how's it going? Um, you know, are you are are you a uh, some sort of coach? And he's like, yeah, actually, I am. He's like, I coach football, I coach tennis, and he coaches uh, track, I believe. And I was like, wow, three things. That's that's heavy duty. I was like, how does that feel to know that you're helping to mold young minds? He's like, it. I don't take it lightly. He's like, I just try to get to know the kids, understand what they have going on, and really just give them the best advice that I can while also motivating them to work at whatever task we have for the week. Because right. uh, I, I want to build habits for these young youngsters so that they know that, yes, there is hard work. <clears throat> but when you show up to the playing field, it's going to be playtime now. Exactly. You know, all, all that hard work you do up front. And and so the hurdles part, I was like, you know, we all deal with hurdles. We all have obstacles in life. What do you do to get over them? Or are you a hurdle? Do you make things difficult for other people and you really just don't realize it? And then we talk about helpers. Helpers are are all around us. Some might call them angels. Some might call them the devil. But sometimes, as as someone trying to help, we don't realize that the help we're pushing onto people is unwanted. We think in our minds, our perceptions are, oh, this person looks like they need help or sounds like they need help. Let me offer my advice to them. And this is going to help them through whatever situation they have. And then the hammer part. For me, the hammer part is when I think of a, a hammer personality, It's this is the kind of person that just is ready to knock stuff out. The minute they hear a problem, it's let's go and run after it and we'll knock this thing out and everything will be gravy afterwards. But they don't think about the aftermath of their actions. Everything, every, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And sometimes those hammers, well, most of the time, those hammers, they don't think about that. They just, let's get to it. Let's, let's tear down this, whatever it is, these barriers. And they don't see that under that barrier, with that barrier, might be something living there, or might be you might be uncovering or unshelving something that was in the back of someone else's mind. And I'm not saying to put on kitty gloves or anything like that when you talk to people. I'm just it. You have to understand that everyone's perceptions are not yours. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. That's kind of the backstory of it. And then just um, hearing a lot of people talking about microaggressions got me to thinking too. You know, this microaggressions come from, to me, they, they come from people with uh, weak personalities that are threatened by others. And that's why they're so, they try to be subtle with them. And on the, on the other end of that too is the folks that are noticing these microaggressions. They have probably witnessed it so often that they're able to catch every nuance because they're looking for these things. Uh, just like when people read body language, you're not necessarily listening to words. You're catching nuances in facial expressions, tics, the way someone positions their shoulders when they're communicating. Um, and and it's it, it just goes back to what mindset you're in how do you get into a certain mindset who do you want to be and how do you get there i think that's a lot of topic to go over i, th I think it's good uh tom i'm curious are are you you strike me as a hammer guy but i think but i i feel like uh you're also a helper um and the way you know tom and i both when when frank texted us on this we felt like that all three personas, Frank kind of had a negative connotation of all three. And I feel like there's a positive connotation for all three as well. 
So, so Tom, tell me, tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are. Uh, you, no, you're exactly right. When we got that text, I saw it the same way you did. Like there, to everything, there's a good and a bad. You know, sometimes you have to have a hammer come in and just take charge. That's just the way it is. So, and it all depends on who you're dealing with too. Sometimes you have to be more of just a helper. You know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to see you through this, whatever. But there are times when you just have to be a hammer. And a lot of times the hammers, you know, he was talking about not worrying about what the uh, outcome is or the consequences. Well, a hammer, most of the time he's thinking, I'm going to solve the problem. You know, his outcome in his brain is thinking, you know, once we get done here, everything's going to be good. You know, so that's his quote unquote consequence that he's working for. Um but yeah, it's like you said, yeah, I do tend to be more of a hammer. I try to be, I don't want to be that way all the time. I try to be more of just a helper and try to urge you along. But no, you know, sometimes somebody's got to take charge. That's right. And I think, uh, and, and I think we should break this, this conversation down to all three uh, individually and do a little roundtable. So we'll right. start with the hammer. Uh, I've, I've been a hammer many times in my life. Um, and as they say, uh, to a hammer, everything is a nail. Correct. But so, sometimes you need that hammer. Yes. Sometimes you're looking at a nail. And, yes. And, and a, the hammer personality is kind of the take charge person. It's the leader. It's the individual who has the clarity to recognize what the task is at hand and how to accomplish it uh, uh, most effectively. And yeah, there's there's going to be some casualties to yeah. to hammering. You know, you might catch a thumb. Yes. It's going to happen. But when you're dealing in a hammer situation, you realize this is the goal. This that's a very goal oriented individual. Right. This is the goal we have to uh, resolve or accomplish this goal. And whatever collateral damage occurs, we need to deal with that once the hammering is complete. Right. And it's a very effective it's a very effective way to approach many situations in life. Recognize the situation, assess the the risk uh, and the damages, assess the appropriate way or the or the most effective way to hammer that nail and just get to hammering. Right. It's important it's important to have hammers in life exactly. and to have hammers in your life. Right. And you know, yeah, you're there. There are going to be times where you're hammering and you just bust through that drywall. Well, right. Guess what? You just got to fix that too. Right. I saw a quote uh, just a couple days ago, and and I agree with this quote so much, and I think it goes back to my having that hammer mentality. And it said there are three possible ways to approach a problem. The first option is to do to do the right thing. You know, to do what's right. The second option, the second best thing to do is to do the wrong thing. And the worst thing to do is to do nothing, you know, and that's what the hammer says. The hammer says, I'm going after it. You know, it's good or bad, but I can't do nothing. I have to do something. Right. right. And, and, and my agreement with that, I think, tends to, to come from the fact that I do have a hammer type of mentality. You know, the crazy thing, too, is I was thinking about this after I had sent you guys this text. And once upon a time, I was I definitely had that hammer, that hammer mentality. You come to me with a problem. Let's fix it. Let's that immediately. My initial reaction was let's let's work on this. What is it? Let's try to get to the root of this thing and figure it out. And then later on, I just wanted to help. Like even when people didn't ask me. I wanted to help them because they did look like they they look like they needed help. They seemed like they were in a situation where whatever it was that was coming at them in life, they could not handle. Let me help. Right. And then I realized that I was just I was maybe a hurdle to more people than I was helping, even if I was trying to hammer out whatever problem they had, because my life experiences are completely different from a lot of people's. And so me trying to help you, I'm, I'm hurting you more than I'm helping you, because the advice that I give you, you're not going to be able to turn around and use the words that I would use. You're not going to be able to see the things that I see. So me telling you to do something a certain way, if you try to do it, you're just 
you, you potentially could fall and fail and fail hard. Uh, and I'm not saying that what I do is miraculously, you know, by any means, but at the same time, my, once again, you know, my experiences are completely different from a lot of people's. And when, whenever I started to realize this was when I was like, okay, let's take a step back here. <clears throat> even, even with my wife, you know, I got to the point where I would say, Hey, would you like me to listen or would you like me to fix this problem? That took care of a lot of arguments because, like I said, all I wanted to do, she's like, oh, you know, Susie came into the office. And rah, rah, rah. I was like, man, F that. That's what, what, you know, slap her in the face next time she gets crazy. No, you can't do that. It's the office setting. You can't be hitting people. Um, yeah, th that wasn't that wasn't fixing. Not that I would hit anybody, but that's not fixing the problem. Um, I was like, OK, well, you know. Let me let me I'm I'm on my wife's side now. All right. Tell me more about this. Let's let's hear it out. And instead of constantly trying to resolve any conflict or issues that she's having, I'm just a listener now. Let me listen. Keep my opinions to myself. Keep whatever it is that I think or feel like I want to say. Just hang on to it. Put it in a bag for a minute. Let's see if we could take that out a little bit later. But it's helped me out so much in her being able to vent now. Right, right. You know, what, and what are those magic words? Because that's how I approach it. I always just listen. I'm just taking the approach that I'm just going to listen. But what are the magic words that they're going to tell you to let you know that you need to speak up? They always ended off with, well, what do you think? There's there's not Ooh. there's not a magic word. You have to you have to actively ask. That's where the trap. <laughs> They'll tell you no, but then you have to, you know, and especially if it's somebody that knows you, they they are going to know already. You're going to tell them exactly what you think, you know, and you've got to be honest. Oh, you know, you absolutely. can't be BSing. You're right. Yeah, you have to be honest. No, and you I, don't. Yeah, well, no, don't. I, I I like to try to be honest, uh, and I always follow it up with, hey, this is what I would do. Maybe right. you shouldn't do it, but this is what I might do if I was in your situation, because I don't know the whole field. I don't know if, you know, Charlie's got a bat waiting in his car and, you know, waiting for you in the parking lot if you say something crazy to this guy. Uh, you know, poor uh, poor Jeff's going to get hit upside the head when he gets outside because, you know, that other guy is acting crazy. Who knows? So I think uh, you touched a little bit on the hurdle part, and I think the hurdle part is very interesting because being a hurdle can be a positive and a negative. What do you all what I agree. Are your, what are y'all's thoughts about hurdling? It depends. It depends on, for me, it depends on how you look at that hurdle. Because some people that run track, a hurdle is just a hurdle. But to some people that don't run track, like a short person like myself, that hurdle is a jump. I really have to put my best foot forward and try my hardest to get over that thing. Um, and, and so... You know, like I had um, mentioned about my grandfather, this guy welcomed challenges because it was a testament to his willpower to get things done. He was like, you got a problem? I'll see what I can do. And he would come back later on with something that he created. And he was like, all right, here you go. This is this is going to solve this problem right now. But other people, man, it's crippling to see a hurdle. You know, it, it, you could see it as a pothole and your life dives deep down into it and you have no idea how to get out. It could be an inverted hurdle. Right. An inverted hurdle. Tom, <laughs> Tom, where are you at with the hurdle? I've got my own kind of stance. Uh, well, and again, it goes back to my own type of mentality. To me, hurdles are always negative. You know, it, it, if, it's, if it's something blocking you, or in your way, or an obstacle, it's a negative that you need to take a positive approach to make something positive out of it. But to me, just the very connotation of calling something a hurdle means it's a negative, it's an obstacle, it's something blocking you. And you have to find a way to get around it and get or get over it. Yeah, I'm down with that. I mean, I, I think the way that the 
the question was first proposed is, are you a hurdle? Right. Are you a helper? Right. And uh, so I looked at it from my own uh, personal behavior, and I have found that at, at times I am certainly a hurdle. Oh, yeah. Uh, because mm-hmm. I'm kind of an idiot. Uh, and and it, it kind of – I started to think back on different – you know, keeping in line with, with different work environments. And there have been times where I have been an intentional hurdle for the growth of others. Mm. I used to be in a position where I was constantly training – uh, those around me, how to do, uh, whatever the job was. And I would realize that there were situations where to be a helper, uh, for instance, a lot of people that are helpers just provide all the information up front. And I did not, you know, a lot of people don't learn that way. So I had to really, uh, kind of take into account how different, how different people on the team learn what their learning method was. And for some of them, their learning method was to struggle and then come to uh, a conclusion or a solution through that struggle. And when I would find someone like that, I would intentionally be a hurdle to uh, to speed up their their learning process because I would recognize they need to go through a certain amount of challenge in order to come out to the other side and be competent. And so I would be a hurdle intentionally in order to speed up that, that development process. It's crazy that you say that. Cause I remember, uh, one of our early episodes, you talked about, it was that whole scenario. If you would hire lazy versus worthless. And you talked about someone that you worked with that was just, you did everything you could. And this person was still just untrainable uncoachable i remember that episode right and and i was just telling myself like this guy has a set on him because he thinks that he is the end all be all and if he can't do it no one can so i was like man who, who you know knowing shane that seems about right but at the same time it's just like well, you just didn't try something that this person needed. Now, did you succeed? No. So you ultimately think that if you can't, then no one else can because you're above, you know, you're you're sitting at that Walmart 10 and no one can touch you. But what the reality is, is that guy needed to go to Target. You did you, not have what he needed. You know, and I appreciate your perspective. Um, it's admirable, but what I'll say is I've, I've spent a lot of time over the years, especially in, in, uh, roles that I was in prior to my current role. And a lot of that role was training and developing others. And I came up with a lot of tacks and a lot of tactics and read a lot about human learning and motivation and, and would try it out. It wasn't just that I was reading it and thinking about it. I would put it into practice. And there was only one person out of, God, probably hundreds, probably hundreds of people. Um, there was only one person that I could not train to be competent. And so if there is an individual out there that would have been able to develop this person to a competent level, I bow down to that person. I bow down and give umbrage because I do not believe it was possible in that role to train that person to be competent. I just don't. Right, in that role. And and just like I said, that that person did not have, or you did not have what that person needed. And maybe that person just didn't need to work at Apple with you. That's, uh, that's, you know, maybe he needed to work at the Microsoft store. And, and, you know, there were so many other great qualities about this individual. He was exceptional customer service, <clears throat> very friendly, very uh, amiable, great storyteller, good team member, all of the things that make an individual uh, or, or would make one think that an individual is going to be successful. But in so many of the crucial areas that were necessary for the role, he just was horrible. And I, I like this guy tremendously. He's one of my favorite people I've ever met. 
Um, if I could go out and just have a beer with him any day of the week, I would. Uh, he's living in Tulsa now. He's an awesome, awesome person. But in that role, right. his ability, mm-hmm. his skill set, his capability was not up to snuff. And I never found a way to get it up to snuff. And neither did about, I don't know, half a, def- half a dozen different managers above my level. Right. Everyone in the world in the store tried to develop this individual to be competent. And it just wasn't the case. Right. And that's in that role. In that specific in that, role. Yeah. In that role. And in I'm not attacking role. you. I'm not attacking you per se. So I, I see how you're getting very defensive. And you're just looking at you over the camera. Like you're inching in towards the camera. You're slightly puffed up. Your shoulder. You're Am trying I? to look like Tom over Am there. I? I'm trying you're, to look like Tom. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, though, I totally camera. agree with Shane. I do totally agree with Shane because we're talking about us. He's talking about a specific role, and it and it's it comes back a lot. We uh, we can equate it to coaching. You're not going to take a 350 pound lineman and turn him into a wide receiver. He's just not fit for that role. So as a coach, you have to take that 350-pound guy and use him as a lineman. Shane didn't have that luxury to put this guy into another role. Or maybe he did. I don't know. But the role that he was looking for, this guy just did not fit the part. And there's and that's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that, that that's not a bad uh, – saying something bad about the guy. It's not saying something bad about the Shane. Just there's, the, the pieces just didn't fit. You know, it, it was just a bad fit. And the fact that you can – you have to at some point recognize that and move on and get somebody who does fit that specific role. Yeah. Unfortunately I was not the hiring and firing guy. Uh, so I, I didn't have the capability to transition him to the role that I felt best fit his right. skill set because there were, there were certainly roles within, uh, the organization that really he would have excelled at tremendously yeah. right. and probably would have been a mentor to others. Right. Uh, because he was just so good in so many areas. But the the core areas that were necessary in this role were just absolutely beyond his capability. And I'm I'm the same way. Um, so there are a lot of roles in this world and a lot of jobs that I would absolutely fail at tremendously. So in that in that sense, you were talking about being a hurdle for the sake of being a hurdle. Yep. I've, now, I've done it. What what satisfaction or what what is it that, you know, makes you want to be a hurdle for someone? Well, the, the first thing is that you recognize that someone requires going through a little bit of brimstone in order to come out the other side uh, a better person, right? Whether it's uh, a better person physically, spiritually, mentally, on the job, whatever the case may be. And I'm, I'm talking mainly from, from my days of being uh, somewhat of a mentor to uh, groups of people on the job. There would be times where folks would ask me questions and, and look for my guidance. And what do I do here? What do I do there? And it was more about me asking them questions and making them find the answers versus giving them the answers. And and that's a hurdles uh, mentor scenario where you are you are not providing all of the information necessary for them at the time because they think they need that. You are providing them the information to acquire that that knowledge on their own. And you're being a hurdle in that situation so that they can acquire that information on their own and be independent. Right. So you are being a hurdle intentionally for the benefit of that individual. What you feel their benefit would be. Right. Well, let me tell you this. Uh, we, we spoke about Michael Prigmore earlier, the paramedic that we shared his story. And, and this whole discussion now has kind of changed my mind of a hurdle always being a negative because you, you were talking about mentoring and, and stuff like that. As you become a paramedic, you have to do six months as a getting what we call precepted. And basically, you're riding around with an older paramedic and learning the ropes, you know, and he's grading you on certain skills and, and documenting what's going on. And there have been many times that I know that the preceptor, the older guy, went to the administrator and said, look, this guy, he cannot do it. There's just some guys not cut out to be a paramedic. And they have told him, look, this guy, and they'll do everything they can, you know, rate him low, 
go to, you know, different supervisors say, look, this guy is not getting it. You don't understand. He's not getting. So what do they'll do? They'll move him to another one in hopes that that guy will pass him. But then that guy tries to be a hurdle and say, no, wait, you don't understand. This guy, he's not cutting it. He can't do it. People's lives are in danger with this guy being out here on his own. Of course, what do they do? They'll send it and they'll just keep this process up. And unfortunately, a lot of times they just say, well, y'all know what? We don't think y'all y'all know what you're talking about. We're going to go ahead and let this guy go. And out there in society, there's people like this that are trying to take care of people. We're not, they don't have bad intentions. They're just not cut out to do what they're doing. When those hurdles were set up, trying to say, hey, let's put the brakes on this. This guy, he's not cut out for this. So you've kind of changed my mind on hurdles. Tom, I think you just described almost everyone in public service. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, too, I would watch that movie. I would so watch that movie. It would be like paramedic training day. Uh, it's co- that that movie is called Backdraft. I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. Um, yeah, the, but the, I mean, the younger brother was obviously not cut out for it. He was in the shenanigans. He was messing around with a girl on top of the on top of the uh, the truck. He obviously was not into it. He didn't have his brain in it. He should have been cut long ago, and he cost lives. But I'm talking about uh, someone coming in super green into something and being passed around. The the trials from the other side, you know, right? The camera angle is from the perspective of the green person as opposed to the trainer, right? Because most of the time we see it uh, from the trainer side, what what the trainee is receiving. But let's let's look at it from you know someone just trying to go out there and being right. told no and no no you're not cut out for this. See, uh, I can. I can I can uh, empathize with that because I've been that guy. Right. Where others were like, no, this guy's an idiot. Uh, he has no idea what he's doing. And I had to do everything I could to to bone up and 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 prove him wrong. So I've been, I've been that guy, but I was able to actually accomplish being at least competent. So but, after your fifth no, they gave you a store, and then you started training no. people. No, no, no. no. <laughs> You've got your timeline completely screwed up. Uh, it was more like I came out of college with no information about anything, and I went into a job that I had zero knowledge about. No one thought I would succeed, and uh, everyone treated me that way. And then I decided I was going to go ahead and buckle down and figure it out. And I did. Not everyone does that in every role that they choose to, you know, try and uh, try out for. What's crazy that a lot of people don't know how to do that anymore. The the smallest amount of conflict seems to shut people down or enrage people to where they're not thinking consciously anymore. They're just acting off of pure emotion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you you can't. You can't battle logic with emotion. Right. It, Negative. Negative. Emotion will, will no matter how you try to go at it logically, that emotion will spring up and come up with some crazy, you know, scenario and you just can't win. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, ba- basically, mm-hmm. basically, you've described every time I've ever talked to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I cannot handle your emotional nonsense. No, no. Yeah, it's it just exact opposite. It is that You're is the, a conversation. I I believe I believe you misinterpreted every situation we've ever been in. All um, of them. Because you you quite frankly, you're the more <laughs> emotional individual whereas I'm the logical uh individual. I think Tom, you've been with us long enough. I think you can assess that 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 Frank is just batshit crazy. <laughs> most of the, most of the time, yes, yes, it's I good. am. That's good. Okay, what's the so there was, you you got your hurdle. hurdle. Uh, now we're on to helper. Help. Let's helper. let's talk about helper. All right, Tom, go man, because you help people more, probably more than Shane and I will ever have helped anyone. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, a lot of you know when you talk about training people and and me talking about uh, precepting people, that that's basically what a helper does you know that to me that is being a helper um but you mentioned earlier you know trying to help everyone 
it's just hard because, you know, sometimes you try to help people and they're appreciative. You know, they really did want the help. They really did need it. And then other ones look at you like you're the jerk. You know, you came in and butted in like I really needed your two cents, you know. So you're kind of like a dang if you do, dang if you don't, you know, situation. So and it's hard to read people sometimes, whether they really want your help, whether they really need your help. Um, being in the gym, you know, that's a perfect universe where you see this happening all the time, you know. People, you know, offering their advice when it's not wanted or offering advice and it is wanted, you know, and it's like this revelation to the person that's getting the advice. It's just it's just so hard to tell. And like you said, we live in a society now where everybody takes offense to any, you know, you try to help somebody and they get offended. So it's just, it's getting more difficult, actually. Yeah, I agree. I think in our current dynamic of society, everyone wants to believe they're right all the time. So the helper uh, mentality uh, is even in more disregard, really, because, you know, if you came to me and, and I was the type of person that thought I knew everything and I had all the answers and you were trying to provide some hard earned knowledge on your own uh, in order to make my path easier, I might not only discount you, but I might chastise you. And I think that's really common in uh, current America. I mean, Unfortunately, I, I, I think, think you're right. You, yeah. yeah, I think you described yourself to a T right there. <laughs> you can, you know what? I mean, I, and, oh, this, in, in all seriousness, I'm trying to keep though, this family like, friendly. For but. real, for real. In all seriousness, though, like you're the air that is about you comes off when you <laughs> when you talk to certain people with a certain, uh, you know, a certain dash of condescension. And I don't think you mean to do it. That's just how you talk. Uh, same for me. I don't mean to talk to people that way. And I have to ask people like, hey, you need to let me know if I'm coming off this way because I've been told that th my my, uh, you know, iambic pentameter, if you will, it Ooh, comes off as incredibly either sarcastic or condescending and mm -hmm. i don't mean i'm genuinely trying to help you yeah. i'm I was, to... I was kind of offended when you used that big <laughs> word so yeah that, i can see what they're talking I about i i think we need to have another word of the day because I, <laughs> I think we just frank, did frank finally said a word i've never heard ever i am big oh wow Oh, what yeah. what let's repeat that what what is this word so iambic pentameter right. that's what what is the definition of bictameter iambic iambic I, iambic pentameter iambic pentameter iambic pentameter okay yes. what is this it's the uh -dun 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 -dun, you basically know, the, the rhythm in which you shakespeare speak. yes it's it's the rhythm exactly man see uh, look Tom's so smart he can break yeah. these things down. I just play dumb. Five year old level. <laughs> I, I just play dumb. That is the best. Oh, that's the awesomest thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, yeah. And you are uh, I am big pentameter, and <laughs> I can see how you would think I am as well. Um, all, yeah, although, and, although I think that my general uh, kind of redneck colloquialism can't possibly make anyone think that I feel like I'm smarter than them. And I think that's what does it really, though, is like you you tend to belittle people before they even speak. <laughs> uh, like, funny. I'm going to stop you right there is one of your classic all time. I'm going to stop you right there because uh, whatever's about to come out of your mouth is probably false or you haven't fully thought it through. And, you yeah, know, that's fair. Right. Right. I'm not lying. You're not lying. I, I am exactly that way where I'm like, I recognize your fallacy in thinking before you even complete your sentence. So uh, allow me to halt your transgressions and I'm trying to correct, <laughs> try to correct your your precognitive thought. Wow. I'm starting to feel a little bit like Dr. Phil here. I'm going to have to step in. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, Tom, you probably have the best conflict resolution stories ever because you probably picked up somebody that was high as a kite, 
seeing angels and demons and running from frogs with bowler hats or you know <laughs> and you have to have a wait, wait, wait. conversation wait, wait. with them. wait frogs with bowler hats i just want all of our listeners all like 13 of them and the one in australia to visualize frogs <laughs> with bowler hats because that cracks me up <laughs> absolutely absolutely there was an old cartoon that uh and I don't. I wish I could remember where there was a frog actually like singing, and he had this hat, and he kept yeah. You know, thinking, and as soon as you box. mentioned, as soon yes. as you mentioned frog with a boiler, uh, that's who. Hello, my came baby. To my hello, my mom. Hey, that's hello, the one. My time yeah. That's yeah. The I one. love that cartoon. That's the one. Amazing. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. And I, I would assume, uh, Tom is the opposite of of how you just described my uh, you, you and myself. Uh, that's not proper English, but you know, you know I'm redneck. But but we don't know Tom that well. Right. You know, I, I Tom, think I know Tom, Tom has pretty mentioned, well. Tom has mentioned in the in past episodes that he has gone through a lot of changes. Right. He was a completely different person, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Hell, that's maybe right. even five years ago. He used I think to we all are, though, some, he, in some regard. Tom used to stalk poor women in uh, San Francisco. <laughs> Only go. in the yeah. heavy fog. Exactly. Only in the heavy fog. All right. So, Tom, really quickly, give right. us a a ambulance bumper story. So, something that a hurdle, a hammer, or a helper that you've come across on the back end of that ambulance, man. Man, now you're putting me on the spot. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> Something occurred the other day that just totally blew my mind, and I thought it was hilarious. I was waiting. With all this coronavirus and everything, the hospitals are jam-packed. You can't get a room. Even if you come in an ambulance, you're going to wait. We're going to sit there waiting with you on a stretcher for about an hour. Oh, man. Waiting to get a room. Yes. I mean, it's <laughs> terrible out there. Damn. So I, was, I had picked up this uh, patient, and we were sitting there waiting, and I'm just listening, and we're kind of chit-chatting. But I'm also – listening to everything that's going on around me. So a doctor was in a room right next to us and this, this curtain was shut. I couldn't see what was going on, but I could hear everything perfectly. And the guy inside there was having chest pain. So we'll say the doctor was basically trying to be a helper, right? So the doctor was in there and asking him, you know, well, do you drink? He said, no. He goes, do you smoke? He said, no, no, I don't smoke. He goes, well, you know, his heart rate was very high, the patients. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. So the doctor finally asked him, you know, well, do you do any kinds of drugs? He goes, no, I don't, I don't do any kind of drugs. Well, he goes, I do cocaine. <laughs> and the doctor said, well, hey. He said, look, you're going to have to stop doing this cocaine. Because this is causing your heart rate to. He goes, oh he, goes, he goes, your heart rate's too high. You can't live like this. You know, your heart rate never comes down. You're going to die. He goes, this is going to cause you bad things. He goes, but doc. And this is what Kimmy said, but doc, no, I buy the good stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, yeah, but I, he, buys, he pays the extra, you know. So he gets, uh, you know. No. And I was just laughing so hard, man. I was just kind of that. And I and I told the woman on the the stretcher, I said, "Did you hear what this guy just said?" And I recounted, you know, because she was busy on the phone, you know, complaining about the weight to whoever it was on the other end of the line. And I told her what happened, and then she was laughing. And it was like, "Oh my god!" And I I was dying to see who this was inside the bed that buys the good cocaine, but uh, I didn't get a good look at him, but uh. He obviously has a hurdle, you know. His hurdle is, you know, the his good cocaine. So. Recognizing the good stuff <laughs> between right. the bad stuff. A, I think, I think probably the best quote in all of human history is "No, but I do cocaine." Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and it's the good stuff. But yeah, it's the good, it's stuff. The good stuff. It's the yeah. good stuff. And yeah. and B, it reminds me of uh, of Waterboy. Don't do crack cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was that guy's name? Uh, Thompson? No. The guy that wore the lightning bolt earring. Oh, oh no, that's Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor. Taylor. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. Yep. Oh, do crack cocaine. Yeah. All right. Oh I think that was the perfect story to close out tonight. And I would just like to give a an incredible shout out and uh, just a, I, I, I can't even put into words how much it meant to me. I reached out to Carlos today to help me out. Uh, it was actually yesterday to help me out. I wanted to get something done for my grandfather's memorial. And 
he he came through and got me a uh, canvas print of my grandfather's uh, one of his pictures that he had made. And he did such an incredible job. So if you're thinking about having, you know, something done, T-shirts, hats, whatever, you know, reach out to Carlos at, at UglyGuppy.com and and give him a shot. Give him your business. He will go above and beyond to try to make happen whatever it is that you need happened. Um, because he definitely came through for me today. And I, I honestly just can't tell you how... Uh, happy my folks are going to be my aunts and uncles when they see this portrait. Uh, it, it came out beautifully and the time constraints were just un- unbelievable. Um, so big, big thank you to Carlos at uglyguppy.com. That's great. man. I, I, I kind of want to throw out a little shout out to all of the plumbers and pipe workers here in uh, oh, yeah. Houston and all over Texas. Uh, these are our unsung heroes right now. They're right. getting so many people back into clean water, back into uh, fixing problems with leaks. Uh, I've, I've got a, I know a lot of people that have their houses uh, have been devastated by uh, broken pipes, and uh, th- those guys don't get enough credit. Uh, yeah, they charge a lot, and and sometimes uh, when they come in, you got to look at their butt crack. But mm-hmm. They're they're skilled workers. Uh, they're part of our infrastructure, and and I appreciate them. Yes. And I know anyone out there that's had to deal with any uh, any plumbers here recently truly appreciates their services. Yeah, I, you know what? It's funny you mentioned that. The week before the storm, I had my water line busted in my front yard. It was raining outside. My plumber, you know, he always comes and and he helps the family. Came outside, dug it up, replaced it. He hooked it all up good, and then right before the storm, he came and made sure all my pipes were taken care of. You know, those kind of guys, you know, we don't appreciate them enough. But, Jose, I'm shouting it out. You know, thank you so much for all your help and everything you do for us and our family and, you know, all the plumbers out there. Jose, you make America work. That's right. There you go. Yep. All right. Well, with that, thank you so much, everybody, for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, Remember to download last week's episode if you haven't already. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Five stars would be phenomenal. Uh, I'm, I'm taking this one from Songs Gone Wrong. You give us a five-star review. Let us know about it. We'll send you some stickers. We'll get you a, a shout-out on the show. Thank you so much. Don't forget to put in your suggestions for Tom's right, exactly. new nickname. A good one, please. The winner of that is going to receive some stickers and an amazing hoodie from Hold On, I'm Almost There, compliments of UglyGuppy.com. And we will get all that to you. Send us those uh, send us those uh, names and we'll pick a winner pretty soon. There you go. We got, we got to get it. That's it. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Everybody stay sharp. Word.